We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. It is so great to have you with us. And this week we are looking at the book of Joel chapter 3. And this is going to tell us more about the judgment of nations and the blessings for believers that come from God's promises. Not only that, but we're quickly and easily going to see some things called out that are impacting us today, which is going to make this very relatable. So ready or not, we're jumping in, and today's ride is going to get a little bumpy as we head downrange with the Lord. Now, for those following along with their Bible and those taking notes, we're going to jump straight into the Word today, and so I'm going to have you turn to Book of Joel, chapter 3, and we're going to start off verses 1 through 3. And the Bible says, In those days and at that time, When I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There, I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. So, wow. That's a, that's a bit to digest there, isn't it? So first things first. The phrase, at that time. This is actually a direct reference to Joel chapter 2, verses 32, which we just saw last week. And it says that those who call on the Lord will be saved. This is talking about believers, those who repent and trust in God. And we're seeing God getting straight into the business, straight to the nitty gritty. Evil is going to be dealt with. God's judgment and justice are going to be handed out. He's asking the hard questions and people are going to have no choice but to answer him. No one gets to keep quiet on this. All right. This is a firm reminder to us all that whether we want to admit to our sins or not, God knows every single one of them and he's going to call us out on them. So, it is better to fess up to it now. Say, hey, God, you know, I messed up. I messed up. This is what I did. Own up to it and repent. Because believers, we're already seeing his promise that he'll see to our needs and healing. That's what is meant right here where it says, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. See, a lot of people read this and they misinterpret it because they see the word and they don't actually break it down for what it is or what the context of the time was or anything else. See, wealth, it's not necessarily money. We know this. 
And right here in this context, it is not. Wealth is not what makes you rich. It is the Father, it is His glory, it is His blessings upon us that make us rich. Not all the material things here on the earth, because they are all going to go away, as the Bible tells us. They will rust, they will mold, they will be devoured by moths. We're not taking any of it with us, people. None of it. Our riches are stored up for us in heaven. Now, verse 3 here. This is especially jarring. And it's it's a bit... Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a hit in the news here lately. You know, it's not that long ago that we just saw the, uh, the movie uh, The Sound of Freedom take theaters by storm. And it blew up. Not only the theaters... But social media, radio, I mean, pretty much any news broadcast you can find, it was being talked about. And, you know, and as we can see right here from the Bible, this is not a new phenomenon. It's not. You know, the devil's been hard at work trying to suppress people and lure people and get people to do evil things for a long time. You know, God even told His people all the way back in Deuteronomy. That they needed to teach the children about God. Let me say that again. Teach the children about God. It applies to us just like it applied to them. And if we look forward just a bit into the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 6, the Bible tells us that it would be better to be weighed down and drowned than to do anything that could lead a child away from God. Yet here we are. And from our streets here, all the way out to the city and around the world, what do we see? Children being neglected and abused and assaulted, used as labor, used as slaves, drugged up, drunk, molested, raped. Some places even armed and used as children. I'm sorry, Jesus soldiers, and then some. See, the world is flying these flags trying to legitimize adults liking children. And God's telling us right here and in several other places that it's not okay. It's not all right. It is a sin. It is wrong. And this spits in the face of Almighty God when people do it. Notice that the same flag that they use also tries to legitimize other sexual sins that are an affront to God. Yet many people who call themselves Christians support this stuff because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, let me tell you, sometimes love hurts. And if it is the difference between doing what is right, teaching children about God, and leading them to knowing Jesus then I say the more it hurts, the better. I would rather hurt someone's feelings by telling them the truth than not doing what God has said and allowing someone to be hurt through my inaction. It is that simple. But people would rather get caught up in the ways of the world. And the ways of the world are the ways of Satan. You know, we, we see right here, you know, once we're reading through this, you know, it, ta it talks about 
lots, basically gambling for people. Still happens. Boys traded for prostitutes. See this around the world, even here. Girls being sold. It needs to stop. God's warned us. The people are still out there doing it, trying to justify it. Continuing on now. Joel 3, verses 4 through 8. Now, what have you against me? Tyre and Sidon, and all you regions of Philistia. Are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and carried off my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks that you might send them far from their homeland. See, I'm going to rouse them out of the places to which you sold them. And I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. The Lord has spoken. You know, here in verse 4, going through here, notice it is an entire region being called out. These were cities and countries, countries that were thrilled that Judah fell. Why? Well, because they profited from it. They were greedy which gave way to who their idol was. And, and it's really one of the most common, isn't it? You know, so much so that, you know, I've really started to, you know, well, I shouldn't st- say started. I You know, it's been a while now. You know, I hate the phrase that, you know, oh, we like money. Oh, I like money. Because it's so easily used to manipulate others. You know, and unfortunately, it is everywhere. And I do mean everywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that I was at, you know, an, I was at a place of worship. I don't want to call it a church. There's a place of worship because church is the people, right? So this is a place of worship I'm at. And the quote-unquote pastor stood up there in the pulpit and asked the question at the very beginning service. Like He, he basically kicked it off. Who wants to be rich? And then proudly proclaimed, I do, and raised his hand. And then from there, he proceeded to give an entire sermon, an entire prosperity sermon, where not only was scripture taken out of context, but he went so far as to invoke the name of a recently deceased member of the church and claimed that that person was only wealthy because they gave a lot of money to the church and in turn they you know they were rewarded and favored by God and if everyone wanted to be rich and wealthy like him then they had better give a lot of money to his church or else they'd find themselves cursed by God I mean, if, if, if it's not already clicking, let me just put it out there. 
this is totally unbiblical. I left that church. It is unbiblical. It is false teaching. This is a huge red flag. Huge. Not only it's not, it's not just a red flag. It has flashing red lights going on, an alarm, ding, 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 going off, telling people, "Hey, you know what? Get out, run, run fast, and run far." Unless they want to fall into one of the devil's traps. And if you ever, ever hear anyone preaching like that, then I'm telling you now, get out of there. Run. Leave. Find someplace else because that is a false teacher right there. I could go on for hours. We know this. This is an example from you know my past that I've witnessed. Um, I'm not going to sit there and harp on it and keep on beating on a dead horse. All right. Um, but you notice here, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, it's like the scripture is saying, Hey, you know, you, you, you took my people, you sold them and you did all this stuff, you know, well, guess what? You're going to get a receipt, you know, and in wrestling, they had this thing, you know, where somebody, they hit someone a little too hard. You know, that kind of thing, you know, or, you know, they, they didn't pull a punch like they were supposed to, um, that sort of stuff. Well, they get what's called a receipt where the person on the receiving end, you know, after they've gotten either one that was just a little too hard or this person keeps doing it up and they're doing unsafe things, they, they give them what's called a receipt where they hit them back just to wake them up, you know. Uh, quite, quite often, it's, uh, you know, where you see them doing their little chop thing across the chest. Not always. It's other things too. Um, but... Um, you know, it's, you could tell it's not necessarily just about, you know, uh, putting on the show, but they're a little upset about something. You know, because you could tell the difference between the show and when something's actually going on. And that's what this was. And that's what God's saying. It's like, hey, guess what? You're about to get a receipt. You know, uh, we, we see here, you know, as it was profitable for all these other nations when Judah fell. They not only that, you know, they they went in and they basically sacked anything that was left. They robbed Judah of anything that was of worth, you know, uh, and they took it for their own gain. Not only that, but they they sold God's people as slaves. They did anything and everything to get them away. So not not only were they, you know, stealing things and doing whatever they could, you know, to build up their financial wealth. You know, in a, in a number of unhanded, you know, underhanded ways, um, which doesn't it sound like the government in a lot of ways, you know, just, you know, doing whatever they can to get wealthy and, you know, but, you know, they, they were, they were trying to force all these people away on top of that, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's like, yeah, they're not worthy anyway. Get them away, you know, bye-bye. Uh, so, you know, going, going back here um, into the word, uh, let's pick it up in uh, verses nine through 11. The Bible says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side. And the symbol there, 
Bring down your warriors, Lord. A battle cry's been given. For those unfamiliar with the term, a battle cry is defined as being a word or a phrase shouted by soldiers going into battle to express solidarity and to intimidate the enemy. You know, it's also also a bit of a motivational call, you know. Uh, you know, when you look at the military specifically, you know, you got the army with their hua, you know, and the navy and the coast guard going hoo And then of course, you know, us us jarheads, us marines, hurrah, you know, or you might even hear the occasional yut or you know, of course, semper fi, you know, phrases like um, you know, when you're getting away, uh, you know, liberty or death. You know, um, even you think about it, you know, you get ready to to uh, tune in to watch a fight, you know, like the let's get ready to, you know, and just, you know, whatever their catchphrase is or their slogan, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's a battle cry. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, I remember going, and, you know, you, you get these guys out there and they're giving a the thumbs up and they have their little calls, you know, ho and, you know, whatever else, you know, you they're all over the place. We all have them. We all have them in our lives. We're like, yeah, this is this is my thing. This is what motivates. This is what gets me going. It pumps the blood. This is awesome, you know. And, and what we're seeing right here in the Bible, this is a battle cry that's been sounded out for everyone to hear. Everyone, you know. Looking here at, at verse ten, you know, this is very David versus Goliath too, isn't it? You know, it, you know. It says, "Let the weakling say, I am strong." You know, and, and you know, indeed, you know, even the smallest and the weakest person among us can be the mightiest. Well, how is that? Well, it's easy. They lean on the Lord. They profess the Lord. You know, they, they talk, you know, they, they, they have God in their heart. You know, Jesus is their Lord and Savior. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. God's given the warning to prepare for war because his judgment is on the way. And it's like, you know what? Everyone's going down. You better go out swinging because, hey, that's, that's going to get hurtful. You know, and on that day, everyone's a warrior. Everyone. Now, either there's two, there's two ways to go here. Either you're a, a warrior for God and God's army or you're against him. And... You know, when, when the smoke clears, we already know God's going to be the victor. The victory's already been had. There's there's no waiting to choose sides. If you're waiting to choose sides, guess what? You're already on the losing side because it's either you're with God or you're not. Period. There's no middle ground here. There's no compromise here. It's like, well, but no. It's one way or the other. You know, the stairway to heaven or the highway to hell. Choose, choose wisely. You know, continuing through here, we're gonna, we're gonna go pretty quick here today, guys. Um, Joel three verses twelve through sixteen, the Bible says, "Let the nations be roused, let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes." For the wine press is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. 
The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. You know, this is this is talking about everyone. Everyone. Past, present, and future. Coming before the throne at the time of judgment. You know, and it's a huge reminder of what we've been called to do when Jesus gave us the Great Commission. You know, Jesus' command to go out and share the gospel with everyone. Now, now this is a great place to reflect, you know, on yourself. Reflect inwards. And, and think about what have you done to obey this command? You know, think of your friends, think of your family, think of your co-workers, think of everyone you know and everyone that you come into contact with. And then ask yourself, do they know Jesus? Do they have a relationship with him? Do they know about the judgment and the consequence that's coming for those who don't follow him? Do they know of the hope that Jesus offers to everyone who believes in him? Now, having asked those questions, out of the many, many people that you come into contact with every day, and your friends and your family and so on, how many can you honestly answer that about? Now, I'm sure for many of us, Really, let's just be honest. I'm not even going to say many of us. All of us. All of us. The answer, plain and simple, is not enough. Because there's so many that we don't know, and then there's so many that we do know, and we can't answer that any of those questions about. Now, as believers, as followers of Christ, well, we know what's waiting. We know what's coming. And it's on us to make sure that others are told too. Knowing this now and having this painted in front of you, this, this, this bigger picture, this should get all of us to start thinking about what we can do moving forward for the kingdom. Now, speaking of blessings... That we already know what awaits for us as followers. We're going to be all right. Things are going to be good. We're going to be better than all right. We're going to be fantastic, tremendous even. So let's look at the rest of what Joel has for us here. Joel 17 through 21. The Bible says, Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine. The hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. The fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley 
of Acacias. But Egypt will be desolate, Edom a desert waste, because of the violence done to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem through all generations. Shall I leave their innocent blood unavenged? No, I will not. The Lord dwells in Zion. You know, this is really beautiful. Like I said, you know, it's justice is coming. You know, a lot of us, you know, like we get angry. We want to lash out. You know, it's like you know, we we like to take things out of context, like an eye for an eye and all that, and try to justify our own vengeance. You know, and, and and we can't. You can't love when you're filled with hate and anger. You know, this book it started out as a warning about an impending destruction and devastation. All over the world. Yet, as we've seen throughout it, as we've started at the beginning and then we've come here to the end of it, it also speaks about restoration and peace. You know, a firm warning that we all need to repent of our sins now and ask for forgiveness. You know, and how we address the Father now is the same as how we should all face life. We, you know, we all make mistakes we've all fallen short of the glory of god you know we all do things that we shouldn't however god is speaking to us all the same way that many of us speak to our own children you know he's saying hey you know what i know you screwed up it's okay come clean with me come clean with me now and you're going to be better off for it. If you don't, well, you're going to wish you had. And it's true. You know, we we all answer for our sins one way or the other. We're all going to answer for them. Now, we can choose to do it now and we can be, you know, at peace, you know. We can rest easily with the assurance that the Father will forgive us. Or, we could continue to live in it and disappoint Him and make the choice for Him. And when the day comes, we'll find ourselves in hell for eternity, wishing that we had repented when we had the chance. You know, just like in the world back then, we live in a very complacent world. We take things for granted. We allow God to be mocked. And in doing that, that alone, we're guilty of mocking him as well. As the Bible has told us, though, there's still hope. See, this is the time... Right now. We have the time right now. This is the time that we need to pray. This is the time we need to tell God, you know what? I've messed up. I'm sorry, man. I I know I need to make some changes. I need some help to do that. You know, this is a time to ask 
for his mercy, to ask for his grace, for his forgiveness and his love. And then we know that he, because of his infinite love for each and every one of us, you, me, all of us, because Jesus loves us so much, it will be granted. Because to Jesus, you are important. To Jesus, you are somebody. In Jesus, you are loved. And because of Jesus, you are worth the sacrifice that he has already made in blood when he was nailed to the cross for our sins and our inequity. So by turning to him, following him, making the changes in your life, and continually just coming, every time you make a mistake, just tell him, hey man, you know, because he knows we're not perfect. And because of that, we can rest assured that we will be healed, we will be restored, and we will be in fellowship with him in heaven when the day comes. You are loved, you are blessed. So go and be a blessing. Go and be the church. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.